Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to RJ Messenger for being on with us today. We appreciate it. Yep. Uh, for everyone who's been following along, for those who haven't, last night was the season finale of Undercover Billionaire, and we got to see, uh, I guess, an eight-episode season wrap-up. And Glenn Stearns, who is a rich guy, came to Erie and uh, was posing as Glenn Bryant, a guy who didn't have a lot of money but had a dream of starting a business and founded what's now under undercover barbecue or underdog barbecue yep. excuse me on Westlake Road with the help of um, RJ and some other people in town who didn't know that that he was a guy with a lot of money and uh, we saw last night that RJ was uh, given a stake in the company and um, let's start at the beginning now yeah. and, and the other the other part of the show we should mention from last night yeah it was Glenn Stern's goal to have the company be valued at a million dollars within 90 days. Uh, he fell short of that goal. It was given a valuation of $750,000. And because he fell short of that, Glenn Stearns put a million dollars of his own money into the business, a business that, that RJ now owns a chunk of. But I, I guess I want to talk about the beginning. Yep. Um, this guy in an old beat up truck came to you looking for a job initially with a camera crew in tow. What were you thinking when he shows up? You know, what what's your reaction to this? Yeah, I, uh, you know, behind behind the scenes, behind all the movie magic and the reality of the TV show, you know, obviously production had previously reached out. You know, pretty much everyone involved and said, you know, we're looking to film a documentary. Uh, we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know if it's going to be Netflix, stream, whatever. And uh, we're looking, you know, for this guy, Glenn. His name's Glenn Bryant and gave us his background and said, you know, they came to me and to me they said, you know, if, if you're hiring, would you mind giving him a position? You know, okay. so he can make some money while he's here. And, you know, this is obviously prior to, you know, the phone call that you see in the show and everything. And I said, yeah. You, you should know. mention you have another business. Yep, yep. So I own Iron Empire Clothing. Uh, we're a retail store. We do our own brand and we also do like custom screen printing right. uh, for other companies, schools, whoever. And so I told him, I said, you know, when the time comes, you know, it sounds like a great experience. I'd love to help someone else out of, you know, anyone coming to Erie to want to start a business here. I said, if the time's right and I need some help, you know, give me a call, we'll make it happen. And that, that's what happened. So, you know, he, he had called and said, um, you know, I'm looking for a job or, you know, put the application in. And I, perfect timing is right before St. Patrick's Day, right before starting to get into our busy season too. So that was there, you know, cameras came in. I was like, honestly, I was like, as long as they don't get in the way, like this is still my business. This this might be your documentary, but this is my business. This is my life. I can't let that interfere with what I have going on. But of course, in pretty short order, it did exactly that. It's interfering it did with your life, hundred percent, and, and yeah, bad and good. <laughs> yeah, it turns your life upside down. I would yeah, assume you're definitely. Um, not only are you selling, uh, you know, swag, St. Patrick's Day swag for the guy, but you're roped into his business dream. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't really have a sense of how much of your time it was taking. Talk about that. How much, how big of a chunk of your life did this sort of take it over? It was, you know, my my company, you know, at the time, you know, working a 10, 12, 14 hour day was normal for me. With, with Iron company, Empire. With Iron Empire alone. Okay. Um, so the first couple of weeks, you know, after meeting him, giving him the job, you know, if you're watching the show, you really didn't know what... I had no idea I was going to actually be helping him 
create a business. I right. thought I was going to give. I thought I was going to be able to take advantage of him and say, "Hey, this guy's in Erie, needs some money. I'll use him to wash some screens and sure. and do some stuff around the store." And it was, I think, within a couple of weeks where he had said, "You know, this is my idea. What do you say about helping out?" And you know, I told him I was like, "I'm on board. You know, I'll do whatever I can." And as we got deeper and deeper, it took more time away from my business that I could spend on that, you know, because instead of being able to work 10, 12 hour days and only put in two or three with him, it started to shift. And I mean, there's only so much time in a day, um, unfortunately. And so then I started to really almost in a sense, put my business, put Iron Empire kind of on the back burner. You know, I'll be honest, there's a lot of friends who are customers and customers that I don't want to say I dropped the ball, but I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this right now. I, I got too much going on. And even though this is my baby and this is my obligation, I'm either all in or I'm not. And I wasn't going to say, hey, Glenn, you know, a month in, I, I can't do this anymore. It's taking up too much time. But for people who weren't watching the show, you're not getting any money for this. No, there was, there was never, ever talks about any kind of compensation, any kind of payback in the end. Um, for everyone involved, we truly did it because we wanted to to help this guy. And let's just be honest, I think if you ask every single one of us, cameras obviously were, you know, hey, you know what? If anything, we'll be in a cool documentary on Netflix that a couple hundred thousand people might see and might get a couple orders for my business. Sure. If that's it, then that's it. Great. Um, but none of us were ever promised or guaranteed anything in the beginning to to make us want to keep going this this course with them you seem like a smart guy though at some point do you google this guy okay who's glenn bryant i just think every single one of us tried to find out who he was and and there was nothing you had a, you had um, a wall we yep yeah we in and nowadays with social media i mean i'm sure you can type my name in, and there's a lot of stuff i probably don't want to come up and, that, <laughs> and nothing came up for this guy at all and i've said okay you know Maybe there's something else to it, but but it got to the point where I, I didn't even care. I said, no matter who he is, he's in Erie, he's in my city that I love, and I will continue to do whatever I can to make the city better through business, through outside of business, whatever it is. And it, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me to say, yes, I love my city and I want to help my city and I want to see it grow, especially with entrepreneurship. But then some guy come here with a camera crew and say, I want to start a business, and me be like, sorry, I can't do it go find someone else and there's a lot of people that did that who preach about wanting to make the city better and they want nothing to do with it mm -hmm. so i'm very proud to say that yes i was one of those few people that that stuck it out and and really did this you know for i guess the greater cause that we thought we're talking can i interrupt with a question sure a lot of people are asking rj what per, are you in charge of underdog what percentage of the business does glenn own kind of what is your role with underdog barbecue so, I mean, I'll speak on my behalf, you know, from what I know, uh, for me personally. Um, if you didn't watch the finale, there's a spoiler alert, so X out, stop listening, mute it or something. So at the end of it, I was offered um, a position as director of Underdog Barbecue Sauces, Rubs, and Apparel. Um, and I own 10% of that, and uh, I get actually, you know, I get, I get a paid salary through that company. Um, technically, the restaurant, the restaurant is, is its own thing. And there's actually people, eerie people in that restaurant that have ownership and profit shares of the restaurant. Um, I'm under that umbrella with my own sauces, rubs and apparel company. Uh, you know, I'm doing online orders for sauces. Uh, my company, Iron Empire, is obviously wholesaling and printing the shirts for Underdog Barbecue mm -hmm. for the restaurant and the uh, online company. Um, 
you know, not to mention after the show aired last night, I woke up to about 500 online orders this morning. But I've got my employees at the warehouse right now scrambling around trying to... I'm sure that was welcome. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good good wake-up call. It woke me up real quick. Um, to follow up on that question, are you involved with the restaurant itself? Um, I personally am not. I don't have a day-to-day role in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us actually involved in the show, really. Um, the, the main, the, the core, you know, Chris Norris, Chris Trot, Don, Matt... None of us actually have roles in the restaurant. He gave that to the people that work in the restaurant. Um, you know, you got the manager and the kitchen staff. There's people there that that's their lives. Um, so I work one-on-one with the restaurant. I work one-on-one with Kelsey, the manager there, make sure that they have shirts, make sure they have their sauces. Right. I work with the manufacturers and take a little bit off her plate then. You know, we were talking off air, and I don't think we have time to really go into all this, about some of the small and large fictions that take place in reality TV. Yeah. But let me go to what some people see as they question as a fiction. And of course. You can tell me whether it is or not. Um, it was the first time for you, you folks to be involved in a rib competition. You're, yep. you're, you're starting from nothing, and you win or you tie to win rib fest. You know, I mean, you're, a couple of days before, you didn't have anything. Yep. Was that for real? Um, my first thought when I heard that, I, th- I personally, I thought it was rigged. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, great, it's cool, we're going to get an award, but there's no way. After, and, and she talks about it actually in that episode, everything is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not confidential, but there's no names on anything. Mm-hmm. When, when everything gets taken up to that, to that stand, it's by number for each, for each of the uh, uh, rib fest tents that are down there. And the judges get a piece of paper, and as they try ribs, they see what the number is, and they rate on a scale of 1 to 10 or whatever it is for each thing that they're tasting. Mm-hmm. And they judge it themselves. And then those ad- numbers are added up. Not even, I think, uh, Kathy, who runs Ribfest, right. knows exactly whose numbers belong to what until she goes through and says, all right, number 14 won this. Who's number 14? And goes and looks. So as far as you know, it was it was, it was was legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, I can easily say, say that, um, you know, as far as I know, and, and I don't see how there could be any other way that that could have been rigged um, except for... You know the people on social media that that claim it is um when i talked to glenn the other day he had a lot of good things to say about basically everyone involved mm-hmm. but the same token when i when i saw him you know on the show he was at times tough on virtually everyone at some point yeah. or another and sometimes apart from people he would say oh you know so and so has got to kick it up they've got to do harder i'm going to try and motivate them here was it ever hard seeing yourself on TV and think, wow, he's he's kicking my butt. He's doing this. He's doing that. What was it like seeing yourself out there and thinking, well, people aren't yeah. going to get the whole perspective yep, of 100%, RJ? Yeah, no. Talk to me about that. Um, you know, that's a good question because I got a lot of that, um, especially the one or two episodes where I was like the the bullseye. And all I say to that is, I I loved it. You know, if you can't take constructive criticism, whether it's in your life and your business. You're never going to grow. You're never going to get to that next step. You know, if I want to be butthurt about everything people want to say right now on social media about, you know, Iron Empire or Underdog or, hey, you know, your food, you know, wasn't good, this and that, whatever. If I just got butthurt about that and never wanted to change or, or correct that, you're never going to get where anywhere in life. So to me, even though it, 
I'm watching a show with everyone, the rest of the world. I was watching it for the first time, basically, because I didn't know how they were going to edit it out. And I saw that, and I'm sitting there with my girlfriend. I'm like, man, like, he's really dogging me. <laughs> and I'm getting texts from people being like, man, like, why is he saying that? And I'm like, honestly, like, it is what it is. I mean, it's not, so it's not wrong. It. Nothing no. really made you angry. Nothing nope. really. Nope. On, I wish I would have known that during the show because it probably would have kicked me in the butt even more <laughs> while we were filming to, to go in overdrive a little bit. You're getting a lot of love, which is good. Glad good. RJ stands by his words and takes actions to improve the Erie area. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Kathy Danielson, who produces the Erie Room Fest, was watching, and she gave your answer thumbs up. So good. there you go. Glad I did you well, Kathy. <laughs> I just saw her last night. She was at the restaurant, and big supporter. We love her. Um, anything else about the show itself, as opposed to your real experience, that was there anything that, that did surprise you about how things came out on TV as opposed to what what you experienced? Was there anything that that didn't sit well with you that wish people had seen more of? It seen you know seen differently. Yeah, I think I think overall, you know, it's, I I just had a conversation actually with Glenn today on the phone um, about a few things about the finale. Um, me personally, um, there was one part of the finale that something that was left out. Um, and if you're friends with me on social media, I'm sure you've seen it so far. Um, Kelsey, our our manager at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, Let's just say she didn't get, not only didn't get the recognition she deserved, but didn't get any of it. Um, she wasn't acknowledged in the finale, and that's what it comes down to. You know, they filmed for ninety plus days even before that. You know, the conversation conversation I had with Glenn. You know, they were filming him a year before this even happened, with you know him having his surgeries for his cancer and stuff like that, which is something they actually didn't bring up in the show. Um, and they can only take so much of thousands of hours of footage and right. put it into an eight episode series um so it's unfortunate that there there was things that were left out and, and not talked about or not brought to the light um but i mean that's part of if you want to call it reality tv you know they're going to take the footage and whether it's good or bad they're going to do what they want with it you know they're going to make a tv show out of it without us being like hey no you gotta you gotta show this not even glenn had a say in and what went in the end he's watching the shows just like us for the first time and I, I know that there was a lot of moments during episodes where we were like, oh, you know, that five-hour conversation didn't even happen, you know, mm -hmm. so. Anything else? We got another Go comment ahead. that kind of, like, goes to that. Yeah. How was, and this is a long, this is a few questions in one comment. Okay. How was he able to get a house if he wasn't using his real name? How was everyone, how was he able to get everyone like you, RJ, to work for him without promise of payment, at least as it was shown to viewers? What did viewers not see, and how do you think his actions are able to be replicated by actual non-billionaires? So that's like four questions in one. Yeah, that's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> so how was he able to get a house without using his real name? He, answered, so he told me he that answered one. that. Yeah. And he had a good response to that. Um, so if you ask that question, go to their Facebook page and yes. read that answer, because I'm not going to well, answer it. He, he told me, he answered that in an interview that, that did, um, he said he wanted to create a situation where the average person could get the house but he said he used his real name because to do otherwise would be bank fraud bank fraud exactly right. okay so how was he able to get everyone like you rj to work for him without promise of payment like it was shown to the viewers i mean there wasn't anything he could or couldn't have done it was our decision from the beginning you know at any point i could have pulled the plug and backed out uh again you know i love my city and whether you're from erie or not if I can help someone follow their passion again, in my eyes, this guy was 55 years old, 
had nothing going on in his life and for some reason chose Erie, Pennsylvania out of the entire country to want to try and start a business and have this documentary crew follow him. Um, so, of course, you know, I took that opportunity to say, you know what, like, I'll help prove that Erie is that city where anyone from anywhere in the country or world can come here and want to start a business and they're going to get the help that they need. And then lastly, what did you were kind of talking about this earlier? What are some things the viewers did not see? Uh, they saw or they didn't, they didn't see a lot of, um, a lot of everything. You know, I talked to Glenn on the phone today for a little bit. He had mentioned, you know, he's good friends with John Elway. Um, he was, uh, filmed for the show, had a lot of good things to say. He didn't make it in the show. Um, Glenn had surgery at the end of last year, pretty serious surgery, and they were following him around and none of that made the show. Um, here locally, there was a lot of interviews, um, things that I was involved in that never made the cut. Um, a lot of, a lot of drama too. A lot of drama. I think I had a couple, uh, freak outs on <laughs> camera crew and stuff. I think they actually showed a little preview of it in the very first episode towards the end. We were under the tent for rip fest and I was yelling, I was looking at the camera and cause I was yelling at about eight people, uh, telling them to leave us alone and, and, and this is our lives and they can, you know, I don't, I don't want to see in. some of those cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they still put a few of those in to make me, you know, look like that guy, which is fine. But what about the, the ones with Kathy, the, uh, who was running the, the, uh, barbecue operation for a while and then she got cut. Did you, did you feel for her a little bit to see her cut out of the operation? Um, you, Kelsey, the manager of the rib fest lady, the, the woman who was, who was cut out of, who was, uh, in charge at Ribfest and then left. Cat. Oh, uh, um, uh, uh, Christine. Christine, I'm Christine. sorry. Christine, um, I'm sorry. All right, so what was your question about her? Sorry. Was it was it difficult to see her eliminated? It from was. Her? Um, it was. Uh, you know, we still talk to her to this day. You know, mm -hmm. She's still involved in some text messages, and uh, she's doing really good for herself. Uh, she has a lot going on. And, and I personally, you know, I, I told Glenn off camera after that decision was made that day, I said, Whatever judgment you may make or do or, or made or whatever, um, I'm with you 100%. Um, and what came down to it, uh, he had to make the decision on behalf of the business. So, no. Another question about the people are really into this cars. When Glenn was selling cars, why were they sold out of town, not in Erie? It was six to eight hours away in Chambersburg. I think you have an answer for that, too. Yeah, um, he alluded to that for, to me when we talked that he was having a lot of difficulty first obtaining the cars in Erie. He couldn't find, I think the problem had more to do with acquiring the cars from a local dealer uh, rather than selling them. Because he said when he went to local dealerships, everyone seemed to be convinced that they were, he was part of a sting operation. He's showing up with uh, a camera crew and he couldn't find a local dealership to cooperate. So he went out of town to find a local to find a dealer to sell him the car, and I think that once he was had acquired the cars out of town, he simply decided to sell them out of town. And I will say too, um, I'll wait for anyone to find it. If you actually find where they say that he claims he sold those cars or bought those cars in Erie, let me know because I don't remember seeing that either. I mean, in fairness, it was it, it was a reasonable conclusion to draw for yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I get it. The, the show's based in Erie, but. But again, I think they never, they made sure that they never said, yeah. hey, I'm selling this car at the lot of whatever, whatever. I think they made sure not to try and put those out there just in case of this, so, this happening. So what about the, 
follow up with for that. Sorry, Jim. Um, somebody, and maybe he shared this with you, RJ. What made Glenn choose Erie? So it was actually the production crew. Uh, Glenn had no idea he was being dropped off in Erie. Um, he told them anywhere, anywhere in the world, drop him off and he can do this. Um, so it actually wasn't his decision. Um, it was the production crew. I know they spent a long time scouting a lot of different cities around the mm -hmm. country. So I know you're not, you know, completely involved in the restaurant, but what about the money he put in? Yep. How is that money going to be used? Is it's already been deployed? I assume has yep. he put it out there? What does it do? Um, so I mean, any, you know, I'll just say from experience, any business, especially on that level, you know, I've a small clothing line, a screen printing company. Um, I started that business with $300 out of my own pocket and grew it to what it is today. Um, getting into like a restaurant business with, you know, right now they employ, I think over 50 employees, uh, have people on salary full time, um, all the overhead, all, you know, everything there. And in the restaurant and bar industry, there's, there's not much money to be, it's the profit margins are small. Right. Um, so for him to say, yep, yeah, we're going to start a business and put 10 grand in like, you're going to go through that in probably a week and a half. And without knowing the success of the business, I mean, that money he's putting in, you know, they, they have new equipment. They did buy a new smoker that's out on the patio. Right. Um, and more than anything, you know, he looks at that as, you know, that, that's startup funds. You know, that's for the business to be able to operate without worrying about sales day to day, you know, where they can really focus on growing the business over the next year. And um, uh, but they're absolutely killing it. Um, you know, every time they hit a new milestone, they break it by a couple thousand dollars the next weekend. Uh, and it just keeps, you know, so keeps you're pretty confident in business going forward. One hundred percent. If I wasn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't still be involved with it right now. Good question, RJ. As an entrepreneur, what was your biggest lesson learned from this experience? <sighs> Always trust your judgment, your gut instinct. Um, from the beginning, there was something about him personally. Him and I, off camera, got to know each other very, very well. Um, I consider him probably one of my best friends right now. Um, and if you're given an opportunity, don't, don't be scared to take that leap or don't be scared to, to take that opportunity just because you don't know the outcome. And, and I'll use, this is a perfect example. Again, he, I, I say that I would have been better off or luckier or better off, not better off, but I would have, mm, how do, should I word it? If I would have hit the lottery for $10 million, I feel like I would have been luckier this happening to me than that. If, gotcha. I'm more, if I'm wearing that the right way. I'm not good with words, by the way, if you can't figure that out. Like, basically, like, this guy, not knowing who he was, chose any city. Production crew picked Erie, Pennsylvania out of every city in the country. They fly here to do this documentary, end up being a show for Discovery Channel. And I'm one of the top five people that they pick to, to be involved with it. I could have easily said in the beginning, like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't care for the cameras. I don't care for him to try and start a business here or any outcome or any pay. And I could have walked away at any minute. But I, I kept up with it. I didn't give up, especially when I wanted to, when things got hard, because they, they get hard over the 90 days. And and look what, it's it's life-changing. It's a life-changing experience. And always follow your gut instinct. Uh, any opportunity you're ever given, don't pass it up because of fear or because of not knowing what the outcome is going to be. You know, watching last night and you talk about being a good friend, and I, I, you know, that seems real legitimate. I didn't see when they when he revealed to the the close group that he wasn't who he said he was. I didn't sense any real sense of the sense of shock. Didn't seem all that. 
great. Yeah. And, and I didn't sense a lot of anger in the room. Was there a real sense of betrayal? I can 100% nobody in that room felt betrayed at all. Um, I think the only betrayal that was ever felt was people in the beginning that chose not to be involved because he was Glenn Bryant and not Glenn Stearns the billionaire. Right. And and they made that choice on their own, whoever that was, and, um, you know, no harm, no foul. But uh, all of us who stuck it out for that 90 days, none of us were upset that he, he you know, didn't tell us who he was because we, we fell in love and we learned to know Glenn as Glenn Bryant, not Glenn Stearns. Mm-hmm. Uh, still to this day... Um, I even still think I have him on my phone as Glenn Bryan. I actually don't ever think I changed that. Um, I'll always know him and look at him as the guy driving the beat-up blue pickup truck around. We're getting so many questions. Oh, boy. Um, well, and this is probably not your call, but will we see an underdog barbecue reality show series? I hope so. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure some people in my family, my girlfriend might not. But uh, um, I would love to see something else or a spinoff happen. Um, I will say that I've, I've heard little rumors here and there uh, about, you know, something else happening from this just because there there is so much more to the story. There's so much more to the people involved because cause in reality, it's not about Glenn. It's about the people that are running this business now. Not that he's not running it. He's, he's involved day to day on the phone with myself, with Matt, uh, with Kelsey, with Don or Chris about the foundation that he started. Um, but the the people involved in the business now and keeping us running there's so much more that that could be told and, and the story and, and and follow up so um it's possible we'll see um and this is kind of seems like a no-brainer but why is the house still for sale somebody found it on zillow i believe from what do you have an answer Did i don't mention it? i don't from from what I, I actually don't know that answer but from what i believe is the purpose of selling it was to sell it to someone that wanted to put more money and flip it. So, I mean, I don't claim to be smarter or genius or anything, but that would be my first gut instinct. Yeah, I think um, he was selling it to a real estate. Yeah, you know, to someone to flip it. To no, try not a homeowner. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that jogs yep. my memory. Um, but again, I, I, I could be wrong, uh, so don't hold me to that. This is maybe a little bit too personal. It's going RJ, to be. Were you an actor before the show? Somebody googled you <laughs> after the first show and. Google shows you as an actor. Uh, yeah, so I years ago I was involved in a uh, Lionsgate Films movie. Oh. I was in a movie called Warrior with cool. Tom Hardy and Joel Egerton and a few people. Um, got to do a photography book with that. Uh, they flew me out for the red carpet premiere and everything. Uh, I was in a Jay Z music video. Um, I thought I was going to be an actor a long time ago, and and Things ended up selling T-shirts and working for the city. <laughs> um, somebody also asked again, might be a little bit weird, but did Glenn hit someone on a motorcycle leaving a bar or something? And said, sorry that we skipped your question. Hold on. Mm. I'm scrolling back up to see if I can find it. In the meantime, uh, oh, did Glenn really hit someone on a motorcycle in Erie after leaving a local bar? I don't believe so, uh, because I'm sure we would have knew about that. Right. And uh, Glenn doesn't really drink. He's not. A, he's not a bar guy. There you go. Uh, so I can't see that happening. Um, somebody asked. Well, congrats on Underdog BBQ. Will you bring back Iron Empire? All right. Maybe. I, all right. So, yes. Um, 
I haven't officially announced it yet, but you're hearing it first. My new store uh, should be open in about three to four weeks. Uh, I'm not telling it. I won't say where yet, but yes, we will be back open in a couple of weeks. We're working on it now. Uh, they're they're finishing a build out, and uh, I'm excited to get get back in the swing of things with that. And I will say, if it wasn't for this show and meeting Glenn, my new store wouldn't be happening. Let's just put it that way. Sorry if you already answered this, so maybe go over this again because we got this question a lot. How much percentage does Glenn own? Like, what's your role? I'm not. I'm not sure about anyone else except for myself. Um, I just know that um, I was offered 10% um, ownership of, as they state in the finale, of the Rub Sauces and Apparel uh, Company. What's the strategy on Undergrog Beer going national? That I don't know. That would be a Matt question. Uh, Matt's handling the Undergrog and the beer side of things. Um, I know they've had hundred different ideas on how to do that. Um, but I, I think they're still trying to fix some, not fix, but get through through some of that like red tape and the legalities of stuff. Um, but again, you know, my my day to day is online orders, shot sauces, working with the manufacturers, t-shirts, stuff like that. Okay, if you could take it back over, Jim, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem at all. I hijacked for a second. <laughs> not a problem. You know, it seemed like. Uh, do you feel like you were well compensated or fairly compensated for what you did? Yeah. Um, and I'll give both sides. So, yes, um, I actually, it's funny because if you watch the finale and I say I, I can't take that. You were the only person who really who did that. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually, it was a 10 or 15 minute argument, I would say, between me and him because I kept telling him, like, I, I can't take that. Like, Why'd you do that? Um, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do it for the money. Um, I, and, and this didn't make the cut, but I, I said to him, I said, you know, I don't like handouts. I don't, and I felt like it was a handout, but what changed is he told me, he's like, listen, I broke down the hours you worked for the last 90 plus days, and this is what your time is worth to me. He's like, I'm compensating you for 90 days. This isn't a reward, it's not a gift. Um, so, you know, I obviously did take it. And um, unfortunately, again, going back to me putting Iron Empire kind of on the back burner, um, you know, three months of personal and business bills adding up is a lot of money. So I will say, I struggled very hard financially for a couple months, and that helped me, you know, get back to, well, basically say, you know, get back to even and get get up and running again. So, yeah, I, I would think that seems like probably fair yeah. compensation considering what you considering what you lost. Yeah, yep. And there's no way. I mean, he asked me. He's like, "How many hours have you?" And I'm like, "I didn't track a single hour. I, I don't do that. I don't. When I go into Iron Empire, I don't clock. In, I don't clock out. Whether I work a four-hour day or a twenty-hour day." I mean, it's work to me. It's my business, so I I didn't keep track of actual hours. Question, Sarah. Will you be looking for employees for your new store? I will be. Um, I do have a few lined up already. Um, they're the ones that are in the warehouse, sweating profusely, <laughs> packaging hundreds of orders right now. Um, but I will be looking for some part-time help. Um, Honestly, usually I, I like to use Facebook to my advantage. I'll post like a job from our Facebook page. I'll uh, probably need a couple part-time people, you know, to do this kind of stuff, package orders, because um, out of the new Iron Empire store, I will be running my sausage rubs and apparel co uh, company out of as well. So I'll be utilizing Iron Empire to, to ship for Underdog, to store the sauces, ship that stuff out too. So I will be looking for a handful of people. How did they get a liquor license so quickly? It actually came with the building. It came with the lease. Do you think it was fair that the first cook only got 10K when she was there most of the time? Everyone else was. 
she did just as much work as the people who got 20k she was there up until the end um so i whether she got 10,000 or 50,000 none of that's my business and, and good i'm i'm glad for her that she got that uh, but i will say as far as time goes um she actually didn't come into the picture probably up until about two weeks before Ribfest started. So the rest of us who were there since day one when he got here, um, I would say that that would be, to me, that would be fair if you, if you want to talk about numbers. Um, she didn't come into the picture until we were ready to hire someone for Ribfest. RJ, in one episode, you said you heard of Cowboy Mike from a local barbecue group. Did you hear that from Glenn? Because he met Mike at our house. That's when Mike told him he could win Ribfest. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I think it was Glenn um, had met with this, this group. I think it's called the Man Manbecue or something like that. Um, and everything, everyone, everything Glenn heard about him uh, was really good. And I think that's when he met Mike. And when I was putting the barbecue stuff together, his name was brought up. So I said, yeah, let's bring him in. And, and this is, you know, where, how I know him and know him from. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, one other thing. We, we've talked a lot around here about when the national media comes to town in one form or another, mm -hmm. whether it's to do a, you know, uh, a, a TV spot, how Erie comes across to, to the world. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the Rust Belt City, sometimes yep. it's favorable, sometimes it's not. I'm curious what you think, what impression you think Erie left in the world after this show? I mean, there's certainly some Rust Belt images, yep. but overall, what, what image do you think that, that Erie left? So. I'll answer that and then kind of go back a little bit to give a little bit of an overview. Um, if you want to know what the rest of the world thinks about it, I mean, go to our social media pages. Um, you know, I think we just made a post last night saying thank you, blah, 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 and go read the hundreds of comments from people all over the entire world saying we watch a show, we're inspired, everything else. Um, so that would be my answer for that. Uh, let, let the rest of the world speak uh, for that. Um, and I had a lot of people... The first two or three episodes, hey, you know, they're really portraying Erie and, you know, you know, dilapidated warehouses and, and this and that. And I said, you know, I can't I can't speak for them, but as far as I'm concerned, they want you to see Erie through Glenn's eyes. When this guy comes here and drives around in a pickup truck and has nowhere to live, he's not gonna be driving around, you know, Brentwood Hills or, or Frontier. He's gonna be looking for the places where he can go get scrap or go do this. So of course you're gonna see that. And obviously, as he started to meet some of us, get some more connections in Erie, you got to see the bigger picture of Erie. You got to see the SBDC. You got to see a lot of the local businesses and the breweries and stuff like that. Um, and uh, um, so, I mean, there was definitely, I think, a transition that they wanted to be able to show the, the viewers who aren't from Erie and don't understand anything about the city. So we're approaching 35 minutes, so there's, oh there's boy. still, I know. <laughs> were scrapyards he went to really abandoned, and how did he sleep on Dobbins Landing and his truck without the police stopping him? Uh, I wasn't in the back of his pickup truck when he was sleeping, so I can't answer that for you. I'm sorry. Um, and as far as the scrapyards, I actually didn't even know about that until I watched the show, so I didn't know he was doing that, so I can't give you an answer for that either. Uh, but I will say... Everyone that wants to try and pick apart the show and, and how did he sleep in the truck on Dobbins? How did he go into scrapyards? Go to a city where you don't know where you're going with $100 and tell me that you won't go and probably try and do the same things. If you're at rock bottom and you have $100 in your name and that's it, no matter how much movie magic is going on, 
put me in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, wherever with hundred dollars where I know nobody or, or a rust belt city if you want to call it that. I will probably be doing I will probably be sleeping in my truck anywhere I can find where it's not in a bad neighborhood. Um, and probably be hitting up scrapyards and tire places. And if you want to call me a thief because I'm stealing stuff, uh, it comes down to survival and I would do whatever I had to do. So I don't blame him for doing that at all. Take one more question and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, in your opinion, and you kind of just already answered this, but you might want to elaborate a little bit. How should this experience shape someone's thinking about being successful living in hearing? I think the biggest uh, takeaway from it all is you know, if you strip away who he is as a person, you know, in real life, a billionaire, the money, um, the hundreds of businesses he's involved with, whatever. The bigger picture of it all was to show that anyone can come here and get the help if they really want to. I've never seen someone work as hard as he did in 90 days to make something happen um, with the little resources he had. And there's not going to be very many people coming here with only $100 to say they want to start a business. So I can walk out there right now and have a conversation with someone and say, listen, I can't, I can't do this. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Um, cameras or not, he made it happen with the help of all of us. There's no reason why nobody can come to this city and, and be successful. And if you think there is, I'm not hard to find. Let's come talk, and, and I'll get you on the right track. RJ, great way to wrap it up. Yep. Appreciate very much your time. Congratulations on thank the you. show and, and the, uh, the business. Yep. Everyone, thanks, thanks very much. Thank Have you. a good afternoon.